Hi, I'm Ella Sean, reluctant romance writer and host of Enchanted Beast Podcast. Welcome to the Enchanted Forest. I have absolutely no idea what this plan is. I don't remember making it. I don't recall ever considering any part of it. But none of that really matters. I'm going to trust that this plan is for me. That's all I can do. Could you trust a plan you don't remember making? We'll talk about it. Good evening, my enchanted beast. How are you? I'm so happy to be back in the forest with you guys again. Well, I'm talking about making plans. Making plans, trusting plans, right? And in all honesty, I believe that when we decide to create a plan for anything, right? It doesn't have to be something huge and and monumental. It can be anything, right? But when we have an intention of planning something, then we also have the intention of bringing that plan to fruition. But for most of us, at some point, we realize that from conceptualization of that plan to actually manifesting the results of that plan, that a lot gets lost and jumbled up and and misconstrued in, in some way, shape, or form. So I'm, I'm at a point in my life where I am definitely moving towards fulfilling some type of, I don't want to say destiny, right? But I don't know. I don't have a better word. But I honestly believe I'm moving towards fulfilling this, this predetermined thing, right? That I, that I'm supposed to accomplish. And for a long time, I I kept considering why things that I pursued on my own, like why they didn't turn out the way I wanted them to, what was wrong with me that I couldn't get to certain places in my life when other people seem to move in those spaces easily. And I began to ask, I think, the right questions for me, as opposed to asking the questions that seemed obvious, right? Um, and and I, I think that's where I started. So I remember I kept um, hearing, trust the plan, trust the process. And, and I kept, what plan, you know? What plan is this that I'm supposed to be, to be trusting? And I stopped asking that question because it didn't make sense, right? There was no logical answer to that question that would appease my curiosity. And I asked this question. If I have no evidence to prove a plan for my success would work, would I still trust that plan? That's the question. Because 
asking what plan and what process was not going to get me an answer. But if I asked myself, if I have absolutely no proof that there is a plan out there that would guarantee my success, would I be willing to trust it? And then I asked, if no one could show me what the plan for my success was, would I trust the plan anyway? And see, somebody's thinking right now, well, isn't that the same thing? No, it's not. It's not the same thing. Because the first question is, if there's no proof that there is a plan. The second question is, if I couldn't be shown what the plan is, could I still trust it? And the third question, if someone tells you that you're definitely going to stumble and fall and lose people and things along the way, but they can't tell me any more than that, would I be able to still trust that plan? Those were the three questions that completely changed my life. My life, my perspective, and my focus. Number one, if I have absolutely no evidence that there is a plan for my life and for my success, would I still be able to trust it? I decided that I say yes. Yes, I'm going to trust this plan. Even though there's no evidence, there's no proof, I can't find anything tangible that says this plan exists. But yeah, I'm going to trust it. That's what I said. And number two, if, if no one could show me what this plan for my success even looks like. Am I going to trust it anyway? Yes, I said. Yes, I'll do that. Third question. You are definitely going to stumble and fall. You're going to lose people you love and care about. You're going to lose material things that you really worked hard for. I can tell you that much is going to happen. But I can't tell you anything else. Are you going to trust this plan? I decided to say yes. And I realized that that was the universe asking me, us, my beast, to do. Trust the plan. We wrote it together. You simply have to trust it. It's what you wanted for this life. That's the message I received. The moment I relinquished my need to have control over the plan for my life, then this is what the universe spoke to me. We did this together. We laid this plan out together. Trust it. It really is what you wanted. It was hard. You know, but but at the time, I had nowhere else to turn. That's where I was. You know, you hit that point in your life where you're like, it's either fish or cut bait. Do or die, sink or swim, right? And it's not even that you've bottomed out so much. You've just hit a space, a bubble, a pocket where everything that is chaotic seems to be circling around this very small, intimate pocket of clarity 
of calm, of order, and you find yourself in that pocket just for a moment, just long enough to reconnect with your elemental self, with your beast, right? I mean, that's what was happening. My health was horrible. I couldn't work, so my money sucked, right? And and I was trying to hold on to this life that didn't want to belong to me anymore. I was trying to hold on to a way of life that no longer wanted to be mine. So I said what everyone on the road to unfucking their life says. I'll trust the plan because it certainly can't get any worse than this, right? And I was right. I couldn't get any worse. So after letting go of the life that had cut me loose some years ago, I obviously missed the memo. I didn't realize that that my old life was already done with me and had moved on. I was still holding on to something, a ghost, a memory, I don't know, a phantasmagoric image of what my life was. I had no idea. But once I was able to let go of that life that had already you know, passed me by, something strange happened. I'm not even lying, like everywhere I went, I kept saying, trust the plan, trust the process, trust the plan he has for you. God knows the plans he has for you, plans to prosper you and not harm you. Coincidence? No, it was her. She was telling me, girl, I got you. I got your back. And you're finally, finally on the right track. Just keep going. Just keep growing. Okay? So I did. I just kept doing whatever felt right for me. Even if I didn't think I knew how to do it. Oftentimes, I didn't. I didn't know what I was doing. Not at all. But somehow, right, I did it. And it turned out better than I ever thought it would. Example. Okay. Freelance editing. Never done it. Never even considered it. In all honesty. I'd been reading this romance novel. Um because I was still escaping, like don't trip, I was still escaping, right? And so I was reading this romance novel and this girl lost her job and lost her life, I mean, just lost everything. You know, her boss tried to rape her, her best friend didn't want her and she was in love with him, it's so complicated, right? Anywho, but she just kind of went off and, and, and moved to another city with her brother and she was like, I'm gonna be a freelance editor. And I thought to myself, I can do that. I taught English for 13 years. That's all I did. I edited students' papers. I made them better writers. I coached them. I can freaking be a freelance editor. So I did. And I just put some feelers out there. I threw up a web page. I put some stuff on Facebook. And people started contacting me. And I found out I was really good. I was really good at at doing that. I was so good at editing other people's manuscripts and helping them become better writers that I said, girl, 
if you can help other people become better writers, then certainly you must be an exceptional writer. Why aren't you writing your own books? And I toyed with the idea for a while. And then I started to visualize what my life would be like if I lived as a writer. And if through my writing career, I was able to become a public speaker, an entrepreneur, you will not believe what I saw. I mean, what I visualized. Because here's the kicker. It didn't seem so far off. It didn't seem far-fetched. It didn't seem foreign. In fact, it was just the opposite. What I visualized my life as a writer to be, it felt familiar. Like it wasn't the first time I'd imagined that life. My, visualiz my visualization felt more like a memory than an imagining, and that's when I knew. That's when I connected the dots. I made a plan for my life with the universe before I decided to take on physical form. I sat with her and, and we made a plan for how this life would go. I somehow got sidetracked. I don't know, maybe the trauma of being born forced me to forget. But it was becoming familiar to me again. That's why the practice of visualization is so important in creating the life you honestly deserve. I couldn't really figure it out, right? Like, why is it that everybody who's uber successful and they're living these amazing lives, why is it that they always say, I practice visualization. I see it before I attempt it. Because the physical mind believes your imagination is more like a memory than something that you're conjuring up. The physical mind reads your visualization as something it has already experienced. So that's one kind of, oh, okay, well, that's why. Because, you know, if your mind already believes it is something that is done, then it's not its not going to be like, oh my God, I'm not going to be able to do this, right? But there's something more that's going on here with the practice of visualization. Because the spiritual mind knows that you are not imagining or visualizing something that you want to happen, you are remembering the plans that you and the universe made for your life in the beginning. What? Mind blown. What are you saying, Ella? I'm saying that when we practice visualization, our physical mind reads that visualization, reads those imaginings, and it looks at them as a memory. So it does help us to physically overcome some of the barriers that keeps us from pursuing what we want to pursue. Okay, I'm pretty sure that some of you are probably needing some type of scientific 
proof of why visualization helps us to create the lives we really want and deserve to live, right? Okay. Um, I did a little research and I went and um, I found a really good article and I'll post the link in, in the description. But basically, um, and I'm just gonna give you like a really quick breakdown. Um, for scientific reasons, visualization increases your chances for success. Now, it's pretty compelling. And I love that, and I keep saying this almost every time I talk about um, using science to corroborate more spiritually rooted concepts, right? So I love that now, more so than ever, science and spirituality are finally meshing and, and kind of corroborating each other. Now science is actually able to measure and quantify what spiritualists have been saying for centuries, right? So, anywho, uh, one reason that visualization helps um, to increase chances of success in whatever it is you're visualizing is because it allows you to overcome fear and to build self-confidence. How? Well, it goes back to what I was just saying. Your mind can't differentiate between a memory and a visualization. So if I visualize myself doing something, then when I think about it over and over again, and then I go to actually do it, my mind doesn't differentiate between whether I did that activity and, and a memory, and it was a memory that I was thinking about, or if I'd never done it, but I was visualizing myself. And what that does is when you actually go to do said activity or to attempt for the first time um, something that you've never done before, your brain doesn't register it as something new and threatening. It registers, oh yeah, we've done this before. So it doesn't give you that kind of <gasps> anxious feeling of trying something new. Um, so you get to, you know, you overcome fear and your brain is like, yeah, we've already done that. So you, you feel more confident when you go into it. Um, now, that's, you know, one reason visualization works. For me, that was enough, right? Because I'm like, that's, that's the biggest hurdle is overcoming the fear and the lack of confidence of trying something new. Um, that fear of, I have no idea what I'm doing and I'm probably going to fail. Like that, <laughs> that stops a lot of people, myself included, from even attempting to do something, right? But if I'm able to visualize myself doing something, then when I go to actually do it, I don't have that hurdle to get over. I could see how that's going to definitely set me up for success. It's kind of like I bought a vintage camper. Well, my husband bought me a little vintage camper. And obviously, it's like a 1968, right? Um, camper trailer, and it has to be redone on the inside. I'm not a handy woman. I'm crafty, but I'm not handy. But I really want to get in there and be the one to put up new walls and, and put in my windows and do all of these things. I want to be the one to do that. I have no idea how to do any of it. I won't even lie. I have no idea how to do any of it. But I'm practicing visualization. I'm visualizing myself doing the demo. I'm visualizing myself preparing my studs. I'm visualizing myself putting up my new walls and paint. So yes, I am in the process of practicing what I talk about so that when I actually go into um, my little vintage trailer, I can... I can at least be over that first hurdle of fear and self-doubt. 
The second reason is because it develops a new skill faster. Now, that's crazy to me. And I wasn't even on board with this, but I was like, hey, that's cool, right? So it's like if I visualize myself um, putting up the new walls and using a, a nail gun, and, and making sure everything is leveled. Like if I visualize myself sanding everything down and, 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 you know, whatever it is, whatever skill I might need, then if I can actually get myself in a position to see my hands doing the work, holding the tools, making things happen, if I can do that, then... The same neural networks that would be activated by me actually physically doing the work, those neural networks are activated when I visualize myself doing the work. And it becomes muscle memory. Isn't that bananas? Like, literally, I can imagine myself doing all of these things that's going to get my camper trailer to be my writing cave. And if I do it and I'm persistent and I'm sending positive and confident vibes into this visualization and I'm sending gratitude into my visualization, then I can actually learn that skill so that when I go to actually sand away something. It's muscle memory. I'm not even have to really think about it hard because my brain, those neural connections, they've already, oh yeah, you know how to do this. It's like walking. Don't worry about it. We got it. How amazing is that? Why, why isn't it something that we are doing every day? Why aren't we teaching our children in schools visualization before we teach them anything else. Like this is crazy, right? So the third reason is it builds a better firewall. Now this is some heavy science and I had no idea what uh, this part of the article was talking about. So I had to go do further. <laughs> I had to go do further research to figure this out. So we know what a firewall is in our computer systems, right? That's the stuff that makes sure nothing gets through that we don't want to get through. So it protects us from viruses. It protects us from being hacked. It protects us from spam, right? From all the other foolishness. So visualization helps to build an amazing firewall in your brain. It tells the mind what to focus on. And because it lets the mind know what to focus on, it determines our perception of what is real. Wait, what, Ella? Okay, this is how it works. If I am visualizing myself successfully remodeling my camper, my, my vintage camper, if I am visualizing myself successfully remodeling my vintage camper, then my brain knows when I go into my vintage camper that it is to focus on the successful acts, or I should say, my mind knows to focus on what's going to help me be successful in remodeling my vintage camper. And so it doesn't see anything that would deter me from being successful. It simply says, we've seen enough of successful moments in our, you know, we, we've seen enough successful moments in this vintage camper that the only reality we know is this vintage camper looking a certain way. So that's what we focus on, making it look the way we've seen it in our minds, right? How, how does this work? Okay, here it is, here it is. Here's the science part. 
there's this system in the brain called reticular activin, activin, activation. My bad. I have notes. Okay. It's called reticular activation system or RAS. And this determines what sensory information we perceive from our environment and what remains unnoticed. Yes, I took a pause because I want you to think about that. Our reticular activation system, RAS, determines what sensory information we perceive from our environment and what remains unnoticed. So we've all heard of selective hearing, right? We hear what we we want to hear, but stuff that's not important to us, it doesn't even get past our, our eardrums, right? That's our RAS system at work. Visualization deeply affects our RAS. Our RAS is our firewall. If you want to build a better firewall, then you practice visualization so that your system knows what to allow you to perceive and then what's junk, what you don't need to see, hear, touch, smell, taste. Can you freaking believe that? That simply by visualizing the life you want, the actions you want to take, the person you want to be, simply through visualization, you tell your brain what you want your reality to look like, and that is what it looks like. And no, it is not delusional. It's 100% different from being delusional because when you are delusional, you see what is really happening, but you lie to yourself and say that it's not, right? But when you activate or when you affect your reticular activation system using a visualization technique, you're not lying to yourself. You're simply refocusing what you give your energy and your attention to. And is that not what being mindful and present is all about? Is that not what every successful person says? If I have one piece of advice, every successful person says, I will tell people to stay present and keep their eyes on the prize, right? Keep focused on the life you want to live. Build the life you want to build. Nothing else matters. Have tunnel vision. Put your blinders on. They're all saying the same thing. How do you do that? How do you put your blinders on? How do you stay focused on the life you want to live? How do you keep your eyes on the prize? Well, you can practice visualization and affect your RAS system, i.e. your firewall. And then you are able to affect your perception of what is real, i.e. what matters most which is the life you want to create for yourself. Yeah, I was like, wow, I'm loving it. I'm living for it, right? So our RAS will take in information concerning our survival and our safety and anything that reinforces your belief systems and your thoughts and your emotions. So if you're focusing on doom and gloom, then that's what you're going to see. If you're focusing on being sad and upset, then everything you see and hear and taste and feel and touch is going to make you sad and upset. If you're focusing on being broke, then you are never, ever going to ever have money because you're only going to perceive what is lacking. But if you're focusing 
on being grateful for everything, then you will notice more things to be grateful for. If you're focusing on what makes you happy and what makes your soul smile, then everything you see here, taste, touch, feel will make your soul smile. It's so simple. It's so simple. Right? I don't know why more people aren't doing it. Okay. The fourth reason is it overrides limiting beliefs. When you visualize yourself in a situation where you have absolutely no limits, you take every limit off of yourself and then you visualize yourself accomplishing the impossible, then it removes those self-limiting ideas and beliefs. And we all have them, right? We all believe we are limited to certain things because of financial situations, because of our physical limitations, because of our educational limits, because of our uh, mental capacity, because of you know our background, the way we grew up, because of our baggage, because of our past relationships. We all believe we are limited by something, but when you visualize, you can take those limits off because in your mind, you are limitless. Now, if visualization affects your RAS and allows what you focus on to become your reality, then if in your visualization you are limitless and there are no limits on what you can do, what you can be, what you can achieve, what you can affect, then your mind will begin to focus on those things, on being limitless. Now here's the science. And this is like some serious, deep, deep science. And, and this is why I love the fourth reason. When we are in a state of deep relaxation, our brain waves change. Now, let me present a caveat here. Before I was diagnosed with narcolepsy with cataplexy, which is a neurological sleep disorder, I knew about brainwave patterns in that kind of nebulous way that everybody knows. You know, doctors look at your brainwaves, but I didn't really know about brainwave patterns, right? <laughs> I was just like, yeah, I know. If, if someone hooks up some some sticky stuff to my head, I can I can see some squiggly lines. And okay, I guess those are brainwave patterns. You know, that's my brain active. But after being diagnosed with, with this sleeping disorder, this neurological sleep disorder, I've become very familiar with brainwave patterns because, well, they matter, right? <laughs> because with narcolepsy, uh, there's, there's this space where... Um, if I get stuck in, in what's called a, a slow wave um, brain pattern, then if I'm stuck there and I begin to lucidly dream or have vivid dreams, then there's a really good possibility that I'm going to not only remember what I dreamt about, but I am going to believe that those dreams are real because when you're in a slow wave, when your brain is in a slow wave pattern and you're someone like me with narcolepsy and cataplexy, then I'm very much aware that I am asleep and I'm very much aware that I am dreaming, which is crazy. 
because it's like I am asleep and unconscious, but I am also conscious of the fact that I am asleep and I am still able to see that I'm able to see what I'm dreaming about as if I'm watching it on a screen. And it's insane and it becomes extremely real. And unfortunately, there are always really horrible nightmares. So I don't do a lot of dreaming and I take medication to avoid that because I do have this sleep disorder, which allows me to be both conscious and unconscious at the same time. And it's freaky. However, Science says that if we can get our bodies into a state of very deep relaxation, and this is where meditation comes in and learning to be quiet and still while maintaining consciousness, but allowing the brain to slow down. If we can get to a state of deep relaxation, our brain waves move from beta, which are like 12 to 13 hertz, right? to alpha, just like eight to 12, and sometimes even theta, which is four to eight. See, we dream in our theta waves, rapid eye movement. That's when we're dreaming. That's when the brain is just going miles a minute. That's when most people dream. For a person like me, who has narcolepsy with cataplexy, I dream in my alpha and my theta waves, in my slow waves. That's the, the brain wave where restoration takes place, where the body renews itself and it heals itself and cells regenerate and we grow. And it's that, it's that healing sleep, right? That deep, deep sleep. Well, science says if we can get our brain waves to slow down through relaxation to at least alpha waves, which is like 8 to 12 hertz, then if we're able to visualize during a slow wave meditation, then that visualization takes root and it reprograms patterns and beliefs at the subconscious level. So we slow the brain waves down through deep breathing and meditation and relaxation. And then once we hit that space, we visualize whatever it is we need to visualize. And in that moment, it's like downloading a program on a computer it changes the way we think. It changes what we believe. So if we download the program that we are limitless in our abilities to create the lives we want to create, then we accept that as fact and we are able to change our beliefs from being limited to being limitless. So that TV show that comes on, you know, Limitless, the guy takes a pill and then boop, he can do anything and everything. Yeah, that's great, but there's no magic pill for that. But you can visualize yourself. You can visualize yourself as limitless in that slow wave, relaxed space. And doing so will eventually change your, your belief and override your limiting ideas of what you're able to accomplish. So, the most important thing when, when I'm talking about visualization, the most important aspect of it 
It's not how you do it or where you do it, why you're doing it or what you even visualize. But the most important thing to remember is you always incorporate a strong, positive emotion. You can't visualize negativity or you can't visualize something and then inject negative emotions and expect a positive outcome. A negative times a positive is a negative, right? So you have to make sure that you're in a positive state and that you are funneling all of that positive emotion, all of those positive feelings into that visualization because you want positive outcomes, right? So for those of you who are like, oh my gosh, if it's not scientifically proven to work, then I'm not even going to waste my time. Well, there you go. It's scientifically proven to work. Visualization Science gives you an increased chance at being successful in whatever it is you're attempting to do. Now, back to my understanding of visualization, right? So once both my minds have been blown, my physical mind, my spiritual mind, I'm just like, woohoo, once I'm there, I... I can accept the truth and, and I'm ready to fully trust this whole plan. Even though I, I can't see it, I don't know where it is. I don't have an inkling of an idea of what it even looks like. I don't even know when it started. I don't know if I've started it. I have no idea if I've even started the plan, but I'm saying yes. Okay, girl, I'm talking to the universe. I trust you. I trust you. Because I have this vague sense of its rightness, right? Something in me resonates with this idea that the plan is for me, that I know this plan innately, right? So I felt like, I feel like if I'm going to trust the plan, I can't not work the plan. Because the Christian Bible says faith without works is dead, right? A man should not eat if he does not work. Every spiritual system says, you know, you only get out what you put in. So of course, if I trust the plan, if I have faith in this plan, then I also need to be sure to work the plan. How do I work this plan? Hmm. Here's the deal. I don't even know what the plan is, right? But I have to believe that as I practice my visualization, as I practice mindfulness, as I practice creating my reality through visualization and, and mindfulness, that parts of the plan are being revealed to me. And so as plans or as parts of it are revealed to me through my mindfulness practice, through my meditation, through my visualization, then those are the parts that I can work. So here's, here's what happened. I was talking about how I, I said, I'm going to do the whole editing thing. And then I started really considering myself as a writer. And I visualized my writing career, how I wanted it to be reflective of my whole self, my intellectual self, my spiritual self, my sassy, sexy, sensual, free-spirited, funny, fun-loving, diva self, right? Well, that's what I wanted. I wanted my writing career to be reflective of my whole self. And in order for that to happen, I had to figure out how to get me, Ella, out to people who would want to hear what I had to say 
out to people who would want to read what I wanted to write about. So how to work that part of the plan? I, I started researching, right? I had to research what writers did. I had to research building a writer's platform. I had to research um, what readers were looking for. I had to even research what my readers looked like, right? I took many courses. I, I reached out to the writing community. Um, I drafted plans of actions. I created timelines. You know, I, I did all this stuff. I posted my first Facebook post as Ella Sean, author. Nobody knew who Ella Sean author was. I just put it out there. Because it's not enough for me to trust this plan that I don't have access to in its entirety. And it's not enough for me to, to just kind of work in the background, storing up information. No, if I am going to trust the plan and work the plan, then I have to work it. I have to put it out there. I have to work what I have access to. And if I'm working, then I want, I want it to grow. That's what this is all about. And this is where I really start to create my most enchanted life as a romance writer, right? The growing part. Because work is never ending. I'm always going to have to work the plan. I'm always going to have to trust the plan. But the growing, this is where I start to create my most enchanting life as a romance writer. Okay, word nerd girl, you know what time it is. I thought about this word growth, and you see it all the time. Like I see hashtag growth mindset, hashtag growth, hashtag growing, hashtag I'm already grown, right? So I'm like growth. What does it mean if we break it down? It's an increase or an expansion. It's advancement, maturation, flourishing, evolvement, metamorphosis. Ding, 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 ding. I like that. Metamorphosis. Why? Two reasons. One, it's a polysyllabic word, and I love polysyllabic words. Two, it's one of my favorite books by Kafka, Metamorphosis, right? So I'm thinking, I want my growth to mean metamorphosis. I don't want to just increase. I don't want to just expand. And I don't want to just advance and mature. I don't want to flourish. I'm not a flower. I don't want to just evolve. I want I want to go through a metamorphosis. If my life is going to be enchanted, I want it to be a metamorphosis. Well, Ella, what, what do you mean by metamorphosis as it relates to growth? Fine. Metamorphosis. Because you have to break it down right? Here's the definition. It is a striking alteration in appearance, character, or circumstances. Yada, yada, yada. So if I said that I trust the plan, I work the plan, and now I want a striking alteration in appearance and character and circumstances within the plan. 
I still want to know what metamorphosis means because yeah, we know that it means change. It's a huge change, right? But so what? Break it down further, word nerd girl. You ask, I deliver. Meta means change or transcending. Morpho means form. And cis, of course, is a process, right? So it is the process of transcending form. You notice I didn't even go to the word change. So metamorphosis, it is the process by which a form transcends. Well, Ella, now we're getting somewhere, right? Because transcending, you know that's one of my favorite words. It's one of my favorite words. And it's one of my favorite words because of Ralph Waldo Emerson, the father of transcendentalism. I love being a nerd, really. I can't even tell you. So metamorphosis, a transcending change of form through some type of process. Well, let us talk about the word transcending. What does it mean? Word nerd girl. It means to rise above, to go beyond the limits of, to be prior to, beyond and above the universe or material existence. Wait, what? What? To transcend, transcending, it means to be beyond, to be beyond the limits of the material existence. It means to be prior to, beyond and above the universe. What? When I transcend form, it means I transcend this physical material form. So if I am going to allow this plan to be a metamorphosis of my life, it means that this plan transcends my physical space. It transcends my corporal self. Metamorphosis is a change that goes beyond material and into spiritual. Ooh, girls. Ooh, ladies. Beast. I'm talking directly to your beast. Okay, okay. A change that goes beyond physical and material, occurring beyond the limits of the flesh to create a new form that is not limited by negative resistance or aspects of the physical world through a specific process. What did you just say, Ella? I trust the plan. I'm going to work the plan. And I have to grow the plan. Growth means metamorphosis for me. And a metamorphosis is this. It is a change that goes beyond physical and material occurring beyond the limits of flesh to create a new form that is not limited by negative resistance or aspects of the physical world through some type of process. This is growth mindset. This is what it means to grow the plan. It means to grow the plan from affecting my, my physical, material self 
to transforming my spiritual, eternal self. Now, this is the phase when things start to happen that seem impossible. You put in the radar of people who will move you exponentially towards your enchanted life, your your most perfect expression of self. You find yourself asking, is this really happening for me right now? Are they really offering me this opportunity? Oh, hell yes, they are. And, and you know why? Because I deserve it. Because this is the plan. When you find yourself in these positions, after you have surrendered to this plan, after you've decided, forget it, I'm going to trust this plan and I'm going to work this plan and I'm going to grow this plan through metamorphosis. I'm going to follow this process and I'm going to grow it. And then you find yourself with all of these like experiences and you start to say, is this really happening? Yeah, it is happening. Because that's the plan you had all along. You have no idea how you got there. You don't know how how you ended up with somebody saying, hey, I really like what I saw. I would love to have you work with me on this project. (laughs) You don't know how it happened, but it did. And then you're like, this is what I wanted for my life all along. I didn't even know it. Really, if I stop to think about the blind trust I have in the plan, one I can't remember making, right? One I I can't see, one I don't really remember making, right? The one that has cost me friends, family members, material assets, and the health of my physical body. I mean, I realize something. And it's the most discovery I have ever made in my entire life. This discovery is the reason I continue to trust, work, and grow the plan. Are you ready? Are you listening? Okay. I really feel like I should be charging (laughs) for this information. I feel like I should just stop right here and be like, if you want to hear the rest of this, you need to pay $29.99. But no, I'm, I'm going to give it to you for the enchanted price of free 99. Okay. Here it is. I really can't believe I'm giving this away. I cannot believe I'm giving this away, but okay, all right, all right, all right, here we go. Here's the discovery I made. I have no choice but to trust the plan. I have no choice but to work the plan. I have no choice but to go through this process that is going to allow me to transcend my physical form and live spiritually in a physical world because guess what? I am the plan. You are the plan. The universe has laid out her very best plans and dispatched us where we are. She wants us to trust ourselves, to work hard and transform ourselves from simply being clods of dirt and the stuff of moonbeams, right? She wants us to be the greatest versions of herself, walking, physically, moving, experiencing. We are the greatest aspects of the universe. We're her well thought out plans. We are the plans of the universe. And it's up to each of us 
to remember what we wanted to do, what she wanted for us, what we wanted for ourselves. We have to remember that we have everything we need inside of us to do it. There's nothing outside of ourselves that's going to get us where we want to be. It's already within us. We are not human beings with access to a spiritual self. We are spiritual beings who decided to take on flesh. Yes, that was a dramatic pause. Because you need to understand that. We are spiritual beings who decided to take on flesh. Your beast knows. We are, we are beasts, right? We are spiritual beasts who said, okay, yeah, I'll don human flesh. That's cool. I'll do that. So if I asked you to trust a plan that you've never seen and can only access parts of through visualization, Would you do it? That's it. That's all I have. I'm Ella, reminding you to be brave, be beautiful, and be enchanting. I'll see you next time in the forest. Bye-bye. This has been Ella Sean with Enchanted Beast Podcast. Thank you for joining and remember to stay enchanted.